Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. Okay, so today is part two of Casey's adoption story. So please enjoy adoption part two with Casey Khan. It was April 25th. I'll never forget 2020. I got an email back from my biological uncle's widow saying like, hi, Casey. It's so good to hear from you. I've been waiting for you basically. And we got on a phone call that day. And she told me that my biological mother um, in her mid to late 20s became paranoid schizophrenic. And that I had two older siblings who were also given up for adoption. And so my mind is like exploding because it's like, there's so much information to take in. We were on the phone for two hours. Um, So the schizophrenia really scared me at the time we wanted, we ended up having one. Yay. At the time we were considering having another baby and I was like, oh gosh, I can't have one now. So that was scary. But finding out I had two siblings was crazy. And the fact that she gave up three children, like this woman gave birth three times and gave up three babies. I was just, my mind was blown. I never thought in a million years that I would have two siblings that we would all be given. It's just, you know, I thought if I had a sibling that someone would have been kept, you know, someone would have been held on to. I always wondered if I had siblings. I told my mom that a long time ago, actually. She asked me, I was like, I do wonder if I have a brother or sister. That was always a more, a higher priority thought than my birth parents, actually, because- it's interesting. Do you yeah. think of being an only child? Yes. I think I had more space for having siblings than having another set of parents or another set of grandparents, frankly. I think it worked out yeah. for me. I also think only children have a fascination with siblings and don't know yeah. what a pain in the ass they are. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now <laughs> yeah. I have siblings. I have yeah. both. I'm like, I have one. You can have him. You know? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I, That's, Barrett, yes. I'm sorry if you hear that. But um, <laughs> but I do find it interesting, though. Like a lot of my friends who are only children are they're much more their stuff about family and stuff seems a lot more about siblings, you know, like, and a a friend, one of my dear friends and neighbors, Mags, um, only child and her father passed away when she was very young. So her mom sometimes has some, has some health stuff or, and she'll be like, well, I just feel like if I had a sibling, we'd be in it together. And I'm like, that's not necessarily how that would go down, you know, like it just seems like siblings is some, I I mean, if you think about it, I mean, look at all of our popular culture, look at all of our media, everything is about very traditional heteronormative families. Like that's the influence, especially in the eighties, nineties that you're growing up with that family is mom, dad, you know, kids and, and all of these things that I could see you being more like thinking about, like I could see siblings being more, enticing, you know, to sort of wonder about than, than parents. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. But when you're having this phone call with your aunt by marriage, aunt. Yes. Yes. 
are you throwing up? Are you feeling yeah. like, are, like, what did that physically feel like? If you remember, did you feel like you were taking cocaine? I mean, like, yeah, did so it I, I felt like I was going to expire. No. So yeah. I will paint a picture. I was in my childhood bed. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. I was already uh, <laughs> yeah. a, a little haywire mentally. I was on yeah. my fresh and fresh on my anxiety medication. And you know, when you go on a new medication, you're like chemistry kind of changes. Yep. So I smelled all the time. I was like having these sweats. And oh. so I was, and I was wearing like in the pandemic, I would just wear this like white Victorian nightgown. So I was in a white Victorian nightgown in my childhood bed smelling from my anxiety medication and she's like your birth mother d was paranoid schizophrenic and i'm like <laughs> like ugly crying for like yeah. weeping and then she tells me i have a brother born in 1980 oh eric when were you born <laughs> 1982 and that she knows him and that he's a wonderful man and has a wife and two kids and she'll introduce us. So I'm so excited about that. Yeah. And then she tells me that there's another sibling that was born on Cape Cod in between us, but she doesn't know, you know, they had not revealed themselves yet. So that was like, I had to like table that for a minute because I'm like, yeah, okay, I I'm about to meet my brother, but then I have another sibling who's a question mark. They might be dead. I mean, I assume the worst. I'm like, that person's dead. No way that two children were given up by a paranoid schizophrenic woman at birth or whatever, and were adopted by nice families and made it out okay. Like, I just didn't yeah. think the middle one would be. Well, I mean, you, this also, I mean, talk about highs and lows. Like <laughs> you have to feel like you're on such a fucking roller coaster ride that I imagine you're also trying to, mitigate disappointment as well that you're like oh my yes. god like i have a brother that she can connect me with holy shit there's another one that she doesn't really have the details about like i imagine your brain's like let's put that one in a corner yes. and, until yes. we can kind of assess because this is it's all about so this is massive information you know that, oh like, yeah I just, and like you said, the context, this is, this is like deep pandemic. This isn't even, yeah. this is when we're all positive, we're dying. You know, yeah. like the idea that you're in your childhood bedroom in a Victorian nightgown really is just mwah, like, yeah. I really appreciate that. And so, I smell to the point where my son would walk. He was like four at the time. He would walk in the room and go, ew, mom. And I'm like, not a smelly person, but like, I had like anxiety, Cymbalta, B.O. Because my body was like, what's this? Cymbalta. Shout out to Cymbalta. Shout out to Cymbalta. I was a well-butrin girl. Feel you. <laughs> so um, that happened. And meanwhile, she's, my mother, my, okay, my birth mother's life, D, was so juicy. Like, she's like, she was this beautiful woman, girl, who she's like, I only knew her as Crazy D. Um, because, you know, when I met your biological uncle, she was already crazy. It's like totally crass um, to use and insensitive to use that word. I'm quoting her. She called her crazy D. And I, I felt myself like getting defensive already. <laughs> like, hey, like slow your roll. You're getting the family folklore. Yeah, exactly. So she said that um, D went to Bard, was very artistic, ended up 
finishing college at BU because there was some like presentation she needed to do at Bard. Um, She wanted a major in art history and that her college roommate is a dear family friend and had said she had already started. I mean, I ended up speaking to this other woman like down the line and essentially like my birth mom was just, you know, being promiscuous and like binge eating from time to time. I'm like, oh gosh, really? Like, so I'm like, meanwhile, that's like exactly what I was doing in college, like screwing around and, you know, having fun. So she was a 20 something. <laughs> she was by all accounts fine. She moved to Manhattan after graduating. She freelance drew cartoons for the New Yorker. She managed an art gallery. She did all these things, had multiple. She had a couple of serious boyfriends that she lived with. Um, One was one that she lived with when she was 25 was actually a journalist, which is funny to me because I married, I got with my journalist husband when I was 25. Weird. Yep. He broke up with her. Her apartment went condo or co-op at the Mm -hmm. time. And it was just a series of unfortunate events. And she started to, she fell into a deep depression. And then um, on the Cape started yelling at people on the beach, like you're a whore, you're in the CIA. So it started in her late twenties, but she could still keep it together and have relationships. And then evidently she got pregnant. And when she was pregnant with my oldest brother, she went at my biological grandma with a pair of scissors. So then Uh she was hospitalized, fully diagnosed, and then she gave birth to my oldest brother and he was given up. Then this biological uh, uncle's widow, my aunt, is like, Kurt Vonnegut wanted to adopt all of you. Like there were all these random like New England, upper middle class because my birth mom's best childhood friend married a celebrity who was friends with Vonnegut. Vonnegut evidently adopted all these kids in the eighties. I later fact-checked it. I found a girl who's like my brother's exact, they, he adopted multiple children. I'm just like, this is so weird and random. So it's a lot of information to digest in one sitting. It's like tragic and fascinating at the same time. Yeah. She tells me that she thinks we all had different fathers. So my birth mom in her schizophrenia, and I frankly, just as a side note, I think she's misdiagnosed because she's 75, alive, living on her own, independent. I've spoken to a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists who think she might be bipolar with psychosis. Like there's definitely psychosis, but she was so promiscuous, but also independent that it's, she doesn't take medication, but she's very independent. Like now that in her old age, she's in her routines. Um, so that is very interesting. So yeah, and I would is unusual for paranoid schizophrenia. I, I don't know a ton about schizophrenia, but I do happen to have a couple of clients who are schizophrenic. And I know what really sets them up hugely for success in their lives is they're in treatment and they're on medication. Mm-hmm. And exactly. they know that they have to stick to that in order to, you know, as I say it, stay on the balance beam, you know, like, so I agree it would be unusual that your mom could be 75 living a very independent life and have untreated, unmedicated paranoid schizophrenia. Like that, that's, that's unusual. That's not, that's not usually how that goes. 
Yes. And I do think, you know, she comes from a degree of wealth and is an attractive woman and she's an attractive white woman. So there's a lot of privilege happening where sure. I think being the local crazy woman, like no one has locked her away because there's yeah. always someone to be like, Hey, that's the, you know, her apartment's paid for by my gra- uh, my biological grandma when she passed, like kind of set up a trust. Got it. Um, so she's yeah. in a different circumstance than other people with the illness. Um, for however, sure. It's just really interesting how independent she is, and she's like relatively okay. Yeah, she's functioning, which I mean, my God, anybody who's, you know, ever had a really, you know, bad round of depression knows like, you know, mental illness really affects your executive functioning. And Mm -hmm. so I agree with you that I would be a little like perplexed by that. And I agree that like their whiteness is a, is a hell of a privilege in this regard. Wealth is obviously a huge privilege in this regard that she wouldn't have been perceived, I think as a threat, you know, that there Uh aren't people who are like, no, something must be done about this blonde woman who, you know, yells at people about being whores, you know, like, unfortunately, most people were probably just gossiping versus intervening or, you know, like, in in some ways, that's good that she wasn't probably being victimized. But then, on the other hand, it's like, maybe was a barrier to her also accessing care, like who who knows in that regard. Yeah. So in her 30s, when she had she had all of us in rapid fire succession, and um, there was a point in there where she would go on, there were a couple points in there where she would go on medication and be normal for a bit and like work at a bookstore on the Cape or work. Um, I think she worked in like the Columbia bookstore at one point. I don't know, but yeah. she but was she, able to hold a job and have, you know, she was herself. And I think that must've been so heartbreaking for her family. I can't, I can't even imagine. Um, and then on top of it, she's having babies and giving them away, uh, you know, grandchildren, uh, two nephews and a niece. It's, it's a lot. And the hormones. I mean, the older I get, I the more I think about hormones as well. And with your mental health, like that to be, that's just a lot for any person to be going through that. I would think like having this rapid cycle of like going on medication, but you're having babies and you're giving them, you know, like that's just a lot for any person, no matter what's going on in their brain. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think about that, you know, caring that much and she's very weight conscious. She's very vain. So I can't even imagine. So, you know, I'm talking to my biological aunt and, uh, aunt, you know, yeah, I can't even explain the relationship. Yeah. Um, biological uncle's widow aunt, whatever you want to call her. And she's like, I'll connect you. Let me reach out to your brother. I've been meeting to connect with him. I'll connect you. And I'm at this point, like, very fragile mental state. I'm like, okay, I'll wait for you to connect me. Meanwhile, a few days go by. I'm not hearing anything. I'm bedridden. I'm like processing this information I've just learned. She's taking her sweet time. I don't know what her reasoning was. But Howie, my husband, and my mother at this point, and my father are like, reach out to your brother. Look at his sweet, you know, we know his name now. Look at him on Facebook. He would love to hear from you. Casey, reach out. And I'm like, 
no, she said she was going to connect us like I robots, would be the same. Like, trying yeah. to follow the protocol. And I was just not in my right mind. You also had to be scared. I mean, if, if when you're waiting, you know, like I think about this a lot sometimes if when I'm, when I delay taking action, like why, why am I? Yeah. And it's like, well, if I, if I'm waiting and I'm waiting for this person to connect me, like it's still time for it to stay perfect. You know, like it's still time where, you're not dealing with the reality of a human being, which means it's going to be flawed and messy and emotional and all these yeah. things that like, I get why you would be like, no, we must follow protocol. She said she yeah. would do it. I mean, like the, you're taking on board so much information. I get you not being like, let's run in for more, you know? Also, she um, told me that my birth mom, the thing I didn't mention is that she actually had a husband who is we think none of our biological fathers, it was like an on and off again husband. They, he was very mentally ill. He was six foot five. His name was Bill. And he was like an aspiring country Western singer. They would drive around the country. They would get in a fight and then they would separate and then they would discover each other in Florida six months later. I mean, it was like wild, jaw dropping. And after this conversation, in between, in the year gap, um, of me reaching out to this biological uncle's widow, I had met a cousin on 23andMe who hadn't um, spoken to my birth mom in a million years. So she had like, she didn't even know I existed. So the info she had was scant, but she had told me that she did know in the 80s, my birth mom had shacked up, had stayed with her father, who's her uncle, Uncle Bernie, and that D was sleeping around with a lot of pro golfers. I was like, okay, excuse me, golf pros or pro golfers? So, <laughs> so I have this conversation, like I hang up with the aunt and then I talk to this cousin again, tell her what I know, I get more info. So my mother, who's the best, is I'm waiting for my brother. And in the meantime, my mom is like on the internet. Like she should be, she and I should own a PI practice because oh my God, I would love she it. was looking into my middle sibling, like hardcore. We thought it was a sister at the time. Um, mm. She was doing everything. Cape Cod, 1984, like looking um, on all these adoption forms. And we're Googling and I have two best friends who were really involved, Stacy and Zoe. They were like Googling photos of pro golfers from the eighties being like, this one looks like you. Like so we were all mental together. Like they were like really participating and supportive. And we were just in like this little wormhole of like grasping. You're just grasping for information. At yeah. this point. And, um, I ordered my birth mother's yearbook. Um, <laughs> and that came in the mail pretty quickly. And I start looking up you know, I, I, I see she was like voted best actress. I see she's like in a, a lot of photos. She was in a lot of clubs. And then finally I ping this aunt and I'm like, Hey, um, have you thought about connecting me to my brother yet? And she's like, Oh, right. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, I was on her side and now I'm not on her side. Yeah, because... exactly. So this is like when um you're interviewing for a job and like people are like, oh yeah, sorry about that. We have a hiring freeze. And you're yeah. like, I've been sitting with baited, you know, like whenever you are the keeper to big shit with people's stuff, like lives, yeah. honor that please. You know? <laughs> I know, it was like, it was wild, but it was a wild time. I mean, and she has her own stuff, believe me, like 
this family, you and, know. And this um, is again COVID. I mean, yes. so but at this point too, you have done a 23andMe test. You yes, so done... I did 23andMe, but at all it had showed me was basically like your Irish, Polish, German, you know, n- nothing crazy. Although for me that was a big deal. It was in- super. I had no idea. Um, yeah, so good that. To know. And it connected me to like second and third cousins. So, um, again, I'd spoken to the second cousin at some, somewhere around the line, but I think she didn't really know what happened to D after all those years. Um, I think she, I think the rumor was actually drugs. Um, even though that Mm -hmm. wasn't the case, she, it wasn't supposedly nothing was drug induced. It was just pure, you know, psychosis, Mm -hmm. but she was able to tell me about, I don't even, if I'm being honest, I don't remember what she told me at the time. Um, I think she was just fascinated by me and the fact that I existed and she had no idea that, yeah. you know, she's her, not really her, in the loop the same way your aunt is, you know, like it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. She was less in the loop. So it was kind of like a baby step. It was like dipping my toe in. Yeah. And I think she was just blown away by someone in her extended family giving up a baby for adoption because she was like, this was a very, you know, I think she was very just taken aback by it. Totally. It's a shock to her, it sounds like. Yeah, it was a shock to a lot. Yes. Yeah. So Anne's like, yes, so sorry about that. Let me, let me get on. So (laughs) then um, connecting. it was May 1st and she connected me to my brother and we got on the phone and we just spoke for hours and he's the best. And his name's Eric. And which is funny because my mother's brother is Eric. Like my uncle I grew up with is Eric. So very familiar. Like my mom and I both have brothers named Eric. And he was just, we had a lot of like, oh yeah, me too. You know, like, yeah a lot of the same experiences, even though we grew up very differently. So he grew up in Rochester. Um, he grew up like, he told me very like working class, nice family. Like I've met his mother. I love her. She's a doll, really amazing woman. He also uh, grew up the youngest of multiple siblings who were all adopted. So his older siblings were adopted at ages like five and three, mm. you know, which is like, that is why me, my whole life, I was like, it's not a big deal. I was adopted at two days old. Like that is a much bigger hurdle when you remember an original name or an original set of parents. Like I never have that, nor did he, he was my, so my brother was adopted at one month old and he was the baby of the family. And it's ironic because he's now the oldest of our like new family. And I'm the baby, which makes total sense. And it was great. And so he, when he first met, so he was able to have a relationship with my biological grandma before she died. And when he first met her, savvy man he is, he took a tape recorder and recorded a two hour conversation with her. So smart. So I was able to listen to it and hear all about Dee, my biological mom, her life. And it was really surreal because they started talking about me they were like I remember with the youngest one D wouldn't even look at the baby and that was really I was with my parents listening to the recording like we would all listen together it was crazy it was like I'm living in my parents house thank god actually because 
my mother always says, like, if you were relaying this information to yeah. me, like I wouldn't have been able to handle it. Like I had to be there with them. I, I needed them yeah. every step of the way. Like they, it was all meant to be, um, that I was living with them, but it was, it was just crazy. Like for my husband, it was wild. Um, I was going to say, because like, you know, part of what's really, you know, deepening your journey is, is your mental health. And then you're having these like bombastic experiences, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're like, okay, I have a brother. Wow. Apparently I have a mystery brother out there as well. Can't really deal with that yet. You know, you get to talk to your brother and then you get to hear this recording and you hear yourself being discussed. Like, I would imagine this is probably like, helping and harming your mental health at this point. Like I yes. would wonder like, is your spirit feeling fed in some way, but your brain is like the fuck, you know, like oh, yeah. I was on another planet. Like yeah. I, you know, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. Everyone was on another planet in 2020 and then I got pregnant. So I was like, yeah. and I have a son to take care of. Um, so thank God I'm living with my parents. So you know, we can support him during his Zoom school. He was like four. It, it was all so absurd yeah. for everyone. Um, and I do feel like a lot of people had very outlandish experiences in the pandemic because it's the first time we all sat down. So people yeah. definitely found lost family members and reconnected with yep. people. Based on anecdotes, when I share this, people are like, oh, me too. Like I, my dad had a... A child out of wedlock. I just met my brother. You know, there's a lot of that. Well, especially with 23 and me in general, yeah. I have a lot of clients that th that has been a thing, you know, of mystery siblings, um, different parents than you thought, you know, stuff. The secrets are being revealed. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, so then my brother, Eric, actually came down um, a few weeks later, we kind of broke rules. And we were all so COVID careful. So but I broke this rule. And he came down and met us. And it was like the best like he met my parents. Thank goodness. Um, he slept over. And it was just a wonderful thing. And then that summer, when things got a little better, um, I was able to meet his wife and my niece and nephew. And we went away twice as families. We rented a house in between, like in the country, in between our locations. And uh, we just became close really quickly. And we talked all the time. And we talked a lot about my, at the time I was still very, our birth mom was kind of like a celebrity to us. Like, sure. you know, my mom had met her. So we're like, my brothers are now both like, can't believe you met her. You know, it's just this like elusive figure, you know, yeah. um, who I, I happen to look a lot like, and it, it, it's just crazy. So then in the interest of, you know, not boring you to tears, um, I have my baby six months after that it's 2021 summer, 2021. So it's a year about after all this, Said, you know what? I, I can't wait anymore for my other sibling to show up. We were like, let's give this sibling the space they need, whatever the situation is. Let's give them the space to come forward. And I was like, after a while, my, my baby's six months old. We moved to a new home. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I think it's time. I remember reading for you around then. And I, it's funny because I had seen it all play out via Instagram. And, you know, you and I text sometimes and stuff. And then, you book for reading. And I was like, yes, I cannot <laughs> wait to hear what is up because it's always great. And you, I remember like you, you brought me a little bit up to speed and then you were like, well, the reason, you know, I want to go into the records is like, 
we think there's another sibling. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, like no pressure to other clients. You don't have to come to me with family mysteries, but it is really fun for me as a reader when you do, you know, yeah. but, um, I just remember, and I remember a lot of your reading was like about you were beginning, you were like, I don't think I have it in me to wait. I think I need to go pursue finding this person. Yeah. And, I was like, whoa, this is cool. I mean, it's like you can use the access the Akashic Records for anything. Apparently, we can we can find out about, you know, <laughs> losing siblings. How amazing. Yeah. So I, I think I was like, hey, records, like, is this going to be good? And the records were like, yeah. I don't remember what. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I remember you like saying, like, should I wait or should I pursue? I remember was one of the questions. And they were like, pursue. And then you were like, will it like, will it be good or bad? Because things are really great with my brother now. You know, like, yeah. I think you were worried about something maybe being destabilizing. You've come through this insane experience and you've got a new little baby. You've got a new brother, all this stuff. You, And I remember that you were very tender about like, will this be good or bad? You know, and I just remember them being like, no, it'll be beyond your wildest expectations. Good. That this yeah. will be another gift. Just like your brother has been a gift. This will be another gift, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think the whole experience has made me so much more brave. You know, if, it's funny because you know how we all through spirit, a lot of us through spirituality, try to tap into other dimensions. And it's like, when you're adopted, there are dimensions living within you. Like, yes. You yeah. have two sets of parents, technically. You have like multiple ancestors from, so it's like, a, it was all very trippy. So essentially what happened was, once again, I was visiting my parents and as my mom was like, let's just, let's, let's get on it. I was like, yeah. And so I Googled I like- mom. I love her. I love that she's yeah. like- mm. My parents both are just like the best. And <laughs> thank God for them. I know that I was the one meant to do this because of that, you know, because I have them and my husband. But, you know, if it weren't for them, I would not have the strength or audacity to do all this. But um, I Googled like Cape Cod. I knew he, the sibling was born on the Cape. So I literally Googled like Cape Cod, Massachusetts PI, call a man- <laughs> He's like, oh, I specialize in adoptees. I'm adopted. Whoa. Proceeds to tell me that he's like, adoptees are all really fucked up. I'm impressed that you're, <laughs> he like took a shine right. to me. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, oh, like, okay. Like some, you know, it's a trauma. I'd, uh, make sweeping yeah. generalizations, sir. And uh... generalizations. Exactly. That thank you for. Yeah, I was like, okay, let's get to it. As from a business standpoint, like, let's maybe not like isolate a client base. I, I don't know, just a thought. Exactly. So I start, he was like, listen, it's going to be $1,000. And I was like, okay, what do I get for $1,000? Because I can do a lot of the legwork myself. Um, and we were kind of going back and forth. And he was like, look, I really like you. Let me put you in touch with my contact at Massachusetts Department of Children and Families. He did that day, this woman, Sheila, called me right away on the phone, brought up the record and was like, I see it's a brother. Side note, I thought it was a sister. I was confused. I thought I was searching for a sister this whole time. And she was like, it's a boy. And I was like, it's a boy. <laughs> That's crazy. I was like, oh, and he, I was freaked out because it turns out he was born only 16. I didn't realize we were so close in age, 16 months before me. 
So I went through the process. I sent her a copy of my license, had to fill out forms. She couldn't reveal his identity to me, right? It's all closed. I prepared a letter. She reached out to him. Basically, I had to send her this information by snail mail, wait for it to come back, prepare a letter. It took a couple of weeks, but she finally reached out to him, formal letter in the mail, like, you have a sibling looking for you. My brother called her right away. And then she calls me and she's like, I couldn't send him the email attachment of the, I prepared this letter for him very carefully. I really tried to articulate who I was as a person, you know, things that wouldn't be impacted by things that are like the core of who I am, like Mm -hmm. genes, right? So the things I thought could, and I told him we have a brother, I'm Casey, you know, we have a brother, Eric, blah, blah, blah. So she gets in touch with Evan. She calls me. She's like, here's his email address. Can you just email him your letter? So I emailed him the letter with Eric and copy and a picture of us. And he said that like that letter just he was, he was shaking. He's, he read the things I wrote and he's like, how can this person I've never met have gone through the same, be the same as me, be me and a girl, you know? And so this brother, we got on a call with him. He and I were the same school year because we're close in age and the cutoffs were different. We grew up only 40 miles apart. So with my oldest brother, I definitely have like a big brother protective dynamic. And with this brother's become, he's like a twin. Like we look a lot alike. Our mannerisms are very similar. I mean, I look like my oldest brother too. And they're alike too. Like they're like Star Wars yeah, nerds. The, but- the three of you do look alike and you all have the creativity in yeah. common as well. Like you. Yeah. And we're all similar in different ways. And then like. Yeah with us and our children, it's so weird to see certain things. Like we all have like smelly ass feet and like (laughs) we all like little quirky things where I'm like, we all the same like ears. We all, a lot of, I mean, me and Evan, especially the brother I found later, like same facial expressions, same, um, we're both like a little pigeon toed, but it's so cute because he's like a big jock and then he's like pigeon toed. Um, It's been crazy. It's it's been amazing. And I talk to them every single day and I love them like unconditionally and they love me unconditionally. And it's been the greatest gift, not without drama in that, you know, like people are left out, you know, it's worrying a lot about to figure out. Yeah, it's a lot to figure out. Like if you especially for me, like I never had siblings and then I had two brothers. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you're all adults and like you're also I think yeah, all three of you were married with kids. I think we're all married with kids, yeah. uh, which is amazing because you know the kids are together and their wives are awesome and like we've had some hilarious moments together and um, it's crazy because I can't. Oh God, um, I read this quote actually. Um, I'm gonna be really corny and bring it up because <laughs> I read it last night. This is what I want. I want to grab my brother's hand and run back through time, losing years like coats falling from our shoulders. Like I was nursing my baby last night and saw that on TikTok and I was like, snap. But it's true. (laughs) Like all I want to do, like I look at old pictures of my brothers and all we do is look at old pictures. And I just, you know, I've been, we talked about the grief before. I didn't grieve until I met my brothers. So I have been overjoyed but the grief has hit me like an anvil at times. And I'm, I came out of it for sure. Like, I feel like I'm, that's why I'm able to talk to you now, but 
Mm-hmm. I would say 2022 was just me grieving that I didn't have my childhood with my brothers. Yeah. I remember when you said to me, like, it would be really weird for you sometimes to be with them and to realize, like, you'll never spend a holiday. Yes. The three of you together. And I also know that you were converted to Judaism when you were like an itty bitty baby. Like what? Three months? And they're not. Yeah. And I was gonna say, are they Jewish? I don't think yeah, I don't think Jewish. My brother Evan is actually married. Um, his wife is Jewish, half Jewish, but yeah, they are not Jewish. And um it's hilarious because I just, you know, my, my brother Evan grew up in a very similar suburb to me, both suburbs of New York City but mine was Jewish and his was like a wasp town, but very similar nonetheless. And Eric grew up in Rochester with like no Jewish people, like none, the neighborhood he grew up in specifically. And um, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Thanksgiving, I was definitely two Thanksgivings ago. I was a little bit blue, just knowing that, you know, we weren't together, but we'll make our own traditions. And they both talk to my mom. My, they love my mom and my dad. You know, they say, I love you. That's so sweet. Yeah. So it's, it's a gift, but it's, you know, obviously it's been a lot. I'm glad you're talking about that because I think a lot of times when things are a gift, there is sadness that comes with it. There is grief. Like there is stuff like whenever, like I remember again to bring up cancer again, everyone's favorite topic. But when I got the all clear was also like when I plunged into one of the most significant depressions of my life because I was like, what the fuck just happened to me? I felt like we're processing. Yeah. And I felt like a tornado would like pick me up and then drop me somewhere else and everyone was like but you're you're great you're cured you know like yes and I was like I don't I'm not yes queening my life yet you know like I didn't I think I remember sort of witnessing that on Instagram with you and with your siblings and I think I remember like talking to you a little bit about it of like this must be such an experience of like both and you know that you're so excited to meet them it's like almost like falling in love in a way, you know, and all this stuff. And then, yeah, you're really realizing what you didn't have, you know, like, you you know, like you are really processing what this reality is and like what you're dealing with, you know, I don't know if you want to get into it and I don't want to make you talk to me all afternoon. I want to be conscious of time, but you and your sibs did go on a little bit of a sleuthing adventure. This is the best sibling story, I think, like of all time. So, you guys have like made up for lost time with like a real banger of a tale. Yeah. So when I, when I see my brothers, we do act like idiot teenagers. <laughs> truly. Like we just become pure, like we all regress. And when we fight, we fight like teenagers, like it's, it, it's hilarious. And it's like, everyone's throwing their like issues at each other and projecting. But when I get with them, we have like such a blast and we decided to have a little hilarious expedition to go see our birth mother in the flesh. And it's kind of fucked up because she is paranoid schizophrenic. And so when you think about it, like with a logical mindset, it's like you went to go spy on a woman who's paranoid, but we weren't trying to scare her or anything. We just wanted to lay eyes on her. We had a lot of photos. We knew we could tell we looked like her, especially me. Like I look a lot like her. I, it's funny. I actually, my mom agrees. Old photos of my birth mom look like a combination of me with my mom, mom's 
bone structure. Like coincidentally, like they kind of look alike too, which is like, it's weird. It's weird. And I've seen photos of all, I I mean, I know what Casey looks like, but I've seen photos of your birth mom and your mom and it's uncanny. I mean, it's, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, whoa. I mean, I know the mind can do a lot to suggest things, but you're like, this is wild that this family ended. Like, this is so strange, you know, that it, uh, I mean, uh, this is why like, you know, when people be like, do you really believe that about like stuff? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like fate has to be a bit of a thing. Oh, fate is a thing. I think, you know, my, my mom and dad aren't necessarily like woo woo spiritual people at all. But when it comes to us being together, like, they very much believe in fate. Like, you know, adoption's so random. Like, hence, when you think about it, like, go back to, like, Kurt Vonnegut could have, you know, but there's a reason Kurt Vonnegut wasn't, you know? Like, I'm meant to be with my parents, and I've always derived a lot of, I've always believed in the universe 100, I owe greater powers 100%. Okay, so going back. But wait, before we get into this, this sibling, you know, this ragtag detective team of the three of you, y'all have been told, I forget who told you this, but kind of was like, contact is a no go is like, she's kind of not like, not that she isn't open to it necessarily, but that her mental health is tenuous enough that it's it's like, like she denies you guys exist. Yeah. Got it. So when my brother, my oldest brother, Eric met my biological grandma before she died and my uncle's widow, they like kind of floated it to D they were like, Oh, you know, your oldest, she was like, there's no money. And they were like, dude, that's not what he's there for. Like, but that's her coping mechanism. She like, you know, she was in labor with my brother, Evan. And she was like, I'm not having a baby. You know, there there's, I'm not pregnant. Um, she's that much in denial Yeah, and that she doesn't have the ability to cope with the fact that she has children. Yeah, There's literally a block. So we were like, but okay, we know where she lives. We know that she has, we know from family and friends that she has this routine. What if we just go try to get eyes on her? Okay. Yeah. So we rent an Airbnb, like not far away. And (laughs) we get like blasted. We have like a disco dance party. (laughs) And I really can't drink more than like a drink without being hungover. I have two children at this point, but I have like three Bloody Marys and I wake up like dead. I wake up. And I think honestly, us, we were so hungover going into the situation. And I think it was God's gift. Like I was completely numb and I was like, oh, whatever, the birth mom. Like I didn't, I, I yeah. was like, we were like farting on each other. Like there was no, yeah. um, it wasn't this heavy soap opera moment at yeah. all. Nothing um, like a, a hangover to blunt some of the emotions, you know? Yeah, levity and like yeah. silliness. So we go to her parking lot and my oldest brother, who again, you know, he's the one who recorded that initial conversation. He was like that guy. And he points to this guy who has like long red hair, big guy with like a patched up jacket and like aviator sunglasses and like a motorcycle cap. He was like, that guy's going to know about our birth mom. So he runs up to him. Me and my other brother in the car were like, what is he doing like what like we're so we're like oh like i need to go to mcdonald's p.s eric runs back to the car and he's like that guy's name is barry he knows everything about d like he's like her friend he's fascinated by her and he just told me like she's coming like he basically was like she's wearing a blue cap 
She's holding two big Wegmans bags and she'll be coming around the bend in five minutes because it's about to be 1130. And I saw her leave this morning and this is when she comes back. So we like go to talk to him. He's like, I've got her favorite beer in the back. And basically like we were standing with him. She walked in and we were like, into the parking lot of the apartment complex. And we're like trying to be cool, but we're like going to throw up, like losing it. Yeah. And he said that all she does is want to talk to strangers. Like he's like, she'll come over to us and she'll talk to us. Like she'll want to make friends with you. That's what she does. She talks at you. Like she talks about her past lovers, about Cape Cod, about whatever, about the news. She was actually really interested in the Russia-Ukraine conflict and felt awful, which warm my heart, you know, that she had like empathy because I've heard she does not always have empathy anymore. But, um, she actively avoided us. Like she knew, she knew, I think had a feeling of who we were. She kind of, we got a look at her face. And then my brother, Eric said, excuse me. Um, we were just looking for a place to go eat. And she spoke to us and her voice sounds exactly like mine. But if you're speaking in a Katherine Hepburn accent, like she speaks in the transatlantic accent. I so she'll it. be like, right down there, down the road, there's a place called Bobby's. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you cannot make this up. Like she was speaking in that voice and she looked at us and her face was so like bright and young looking. And like, she looks so much like me and we all kind of, And that was it. That was the whole exchange. And then we went, had lunch, and then we did it the next day. And there were a few more exchanges like that. But she definitely wanted to avoid us. And then we have kept in touch with this man, Barry, who confirmed that she thought I was a prostitute and that they were my pimps. And, you know, she she didn't act afraid of us, but she definitely, we were trying to like, she smiled at us a few times and said, hello, she's beautiful. Like, I couldn't believe that she looks, I mean, I've never perceived what I look like. Like, I don't even know what I look like. And so to see her, it was a trip. Um, but of course, Barry later revealed to us that when they discussed it, you know, the following Monday, that she thought they were my pimps and I was a prostitute. And he was like, no you know, no D those are like your biological children. Like, did you know? And he said she was obsessing over me, you know, like the blonde, the blonde. And he was like, she looks just like you. And she was like, Oh, and she didn't fight it. And she knew. So now, and you know, like she kind of accepted like, Oh, okay. That's who they were. Like, I think she knew she knew. Yeah. So we keep tabs, you know, he'll text us from time to time. Let us know she's doing well. Uh, she's like, he's like, her breath is bad. She's got to go to the dentist. You know, she, she comes out, no bra, tits hanging down. I'm like, this is my birth mom. You know, she's flirting <laughs> with rich. She's flirting with the rich man again. You know, she's telling me about these old boyfriends, these femme Jew boys. And like, Barry's a little anti-Semitic. And I want to tell him like, I'm married to a femme Jew boy. Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm Jewish. You're like, I'm a femme Jew boy. So let's. I am. Oh, okay. That is really funny. I'm like, I love that Barry is like quite chaotic as well. No, Barry is a gift. He's a gift. He He's very, by his own admission, he's like, whatever war he was supposed to be in, he's like, yeah, you know, that injury, 
I'm not all here, but I can help you. Like he's a sweetie. He's awesome. God bless, you know, like. And he eats the gift. So. I mean, like, I think I'm someone who's like pretty open, you know, and I think sometimes friends and haven't like understood that about me. And I'm like, when it comes to things like trauma or kind of uncommon family stuff or whatever, it's like, you never know who can give you peace or can give you healing or can give you, you never know who, who the gift can be, you know, like I was doing some research on my own dad and found that this woman maintains his grave. And I was like, and I reached out to her and was like, hi, like you, you clean my and maintain my dad's grave. And I just wanted to say, thank you. Like, I didn't know that happened and I'm so appreciative to you. And yeah, it was like really, and I also was so grateful for like new information, you know, and like yeah. oh. his story stopped in 96, you know, so. Imagine the amount of information you must seek, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, it's like I, for the most part, I don't seek info, you know, but when it arrives, it's a gift, you know, like my dad sort of died pre-internet in a way. I mean, the internet existed, but no one really had a digital footprint. Sure. So like when I Googled them out of curiosity and like, new stuff had come up because of like ancestry.com and like, you know, like flight records of when he was flying with, with his family as like a baby military kid in, you know, like his little like baby photo of him, like coming into different countries at like six years old and like hand signing these registry, you know, just things I'd never seen because people are starting to like digitize archives and stuff. It's unbelievable. Ancestry is an unbelievable resource for real. It, it And I was just like, I, there are people who would maybe make fun of some of these people or be like, oh, or like nerds or, or something. I mean, I don't mean, I don't know why I'm saying it like an 80 sitcom, but I think people can be judgmental or be like, you know, like I help sometimes do research for like cold case crimes. Like it's one of my like hobbies and people are like, oh, that's so nasty. weird. And I'm like, but someone has to do it, you know, yeah. and like you've obviously never wanted this info you know like you've never had other people maybe hold key details about yourself you know and there's just like i just think of those people as such angels that are like willing to help or give the time or give what the information or come over and say yeah i'll talk to you okay and keep you posted and it's just you're right like barry's the gift like they are gifts people are gifts I completely hear that. And along the way, you know, I've met, you know, I'm not in that place right now, but I was in such like a ballsy place where I was just like reaching out to strangers. Like I would get Mm -hmm. one piece of information. Like she had this boyfriend, a Manhattan guy. And then I got to his from Bard, but they lived together in Manhattan and we're together in the Hamptons. I'm like, what? But anyway, I found his obituary, Mm. looked up his sister who was a child welfare lawyer in Massachusetts. So I thought she could A, help me with my brother, but B, I corresponded with her and she like told me all about my birth mom. Like I sent her photos of me. She's like, you look just like, and like, it was a beautiful gift. And she's like, I'm so happy you're doing well. Like just, there's been a lot of interactions like that along the way where it really restores your faith in humanity. And the fact that these people are taking the time to, you know, do what they're doing in your case, like maintaining your father's grave, but also that they're willing to have like this vulnerable conversation. It means it's weird being on the receiving end, on 
the end of so many conversations where this means so much to me, a photo, a news clipping, yes, any parcel of info, because I, you know, it's just at the end of the day, like, again, like I'm so happy with my brothers and the relationship that I don't need another mother or father, but like, you know, just knowing about that person who gave birth to you is, it it helps, you know, yourself. And so it's huge when you get those pieces. So something I think about a lot in terms of grief, and I don't know if in adoption it's the same, is like, what does peace look like? When you lose someone, they're never coming back. So how do you reconcile it and find peace? You know, like to me, one of my big healing things is always just like peace. How do I maintain my peace, find my peace, whatever. For you and in this journey, like, what does peace look like? Is it the integration of your siblings? Is it the now you kind of know the story as best you can at this point? Like, or is peace maybe not a thing for you? Because it's like you felt a lot of peace growing up that you're like, I wasn't seeking peace. Like, what is that's true? I did always feel, you know, I again, my grief. I never experienced grief about this growing up, maybe on a subconscious level, of course, you know, like Mm -hmm. the things that we discussed earlier. I do think the peace is new. Like, I feel like I've settled into this space with my siblings. You know, my parents are always my parents. Um, I've met my oldest brother's mother. As I mentioned, she's amazing. I've met his siblings. They're incredible. We've all gotten together and we have a photo together. That's beautiful. I think it's about this whole experience, it's like, what is family? Like my middle brother, Evan was like, is it okay that I call you sister? Like to your mom, you know, we're not legally brother and sister. And it's so funny because my mother adores him. Like she says, I love you. And you know, my dad loves both my brothers too. And it's like, you are my brother because I say so. And it's (laughs) like, they're both my half brothers genetically, but I didn't have to incorporate them into my family. You know, we didn't have to hit it off. We didn't have to be alike. We didn't have to love each other. I know I've, and so, you know, it's kind of coming, peace is kind of accepting that my family structure doesn't look like other people and that that's a beautiful thing and kind of just being okay with not having grown up with them. It is what it is. Everyone has their shit. I think that, comparatively to other people's shit, mine is like pretty great not to compare. You know what I mean? I, no, I, I you'll, it's keep yours. you'll keep your own story. You'll keep it's your own game. Trauma Olympics, but I yeah. always do feel like I need to be like, okay, my, tra- you know, I, I always feel bad comparatively, you know, again, especially both my brothers have siblings who were adopted at like three or five. I mean, it's, it, it's a different scenario. It is. I think my piece is like, arrived in the day to day. I'm just so happy with my little family unit, like my husband and my children. And I think having children, I have to be present in the day to day with taking care of them. And I think me being less obsessive lately, you know, I'm not actively looking for my biological father. I have to be at peace with, I might never know that identity and it is what it is. And right now I feel at peace because I'm not desperately searching, but I had to go through all that searching and getting to know my brothers for months and months and months and seeing every photo and knowing every fight they've ever been in and knowing everyone who broke their heart and they need to know everyone who, you know, they need to want to kill, you know, that hurt my feelings, you know, it's been a lot. And I, I do feel peace is just like dealing with what's right in front of me and not feeling like I have to keep 
searching. That makes a lot of sense to me. Like, it also sounds like peace also maybe came through agency of you getting to make these decisions of, I am going to look for these brothers. I am going to do that. You know, that it's like so much of it, I think had been sort of delivered to you and you maybe didn't have as much choice. It's just sort of like you arrived here, you know, and it must've felt like pressure maybe at times, but even though your, your mom, I think was like trying to be really radical in her transparency and openness to you of like, do you want to know anything or whatever? But I get why you didn't. And I wonder if, like you said, the, like the not searching anymore, but you deciding just to make these decisions of like, my family doesn't look like everyone else's and I'm okay with that. Like they are my brothers. You know, I may never know who my biological father is. I'm going to like, let that one go. You know, like there's so much power in claiming those things and just deciding them for yourself and giving yourself permission to do so, you know, and this must have like really radically shifted your idea of like what family is. And I would assume has made it maybe more expansive in a way that, you know, will serve you the rest of your life. I mean, like, think about when your kids start dating and stuff, like you're going to be a psychopath to their partners because you're going to just be like, you are with us. Like you're going to be, I feel like, so welcoming and inclusive and stuff that like, this has to have been such a like heart opening experience, you know, that it may be that helps with some of the heartbreaks, you know, like that overall, it's like just been so expansive, I bet, you know, it's like having babies. Like it's the only thing, you know, you're, you're supposed to grow up with your siblings and there's ideally an unconditional bond, you know, and I met adult human beings and decided, you know, I just, I just do. I love them unconditionally the way I would children. Um, my children are, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or parents, you know, and, you know, spouse to a degree, but they're not, you know, it's a different relationship. Like you're not supposed to love your spouse unconditionally. You know what I mean? It it comes with, you know, being a a sibling or a child and it's so, yeah, it, it feels shocking to be able, you know, when I was contemplating having another baby, I was like, can I give them the same amount of love as Henry? And then I give birth to my daughter and it's like, oh yeah, you can, you know, it just grows. Like your heart yeah. just grows. And that's what happened with my brothers. And it's super cool. It's, it's really been a trip. I feel lucky that I was someone who was like getting regular updates you and were, for sure. <laughs> getting to have this like front seat. Cause like it, it also, Cause I've watched you also really grow in the process and I think you've changed a lot and it's, I think it has brought you a lot of peace and not to say that, you know, like I met you at a really weird point in your life when I think your mental health was like starting to come to the forefront of like, you were going to have to address it, you know, like, and I hate whenever people are like, oh, like past me was terrible and current me is amazing. You know, like all of ourselves are amazing. Yes. But I 
think that this process like did so much for your confidence and like for letting you feel, I think really brave and strong and like all these things I think that you were, but you questioned about yourself. I think going through this and having another child during it and it being in a pandemic, I think you were like, I'm a bad bitch. Like, look what I can do. Like, I think it helped you believe in yourself in a different way that I don't know that anything kind of externally your parents could tell you you're the most incredible person every day like until it like clicks for you it it, you're not hearing it and I think a lot of these things that you always were like you started drawing more like you were making more art like all these things I think you inherently were you stepped into this fuller version of yourself that I think was like I don't know and a lot of I mean we get if I think most of us get a few offers in our lifetime of like, you're going to go for the ride. Like you're going to be brave. You're going to relinquish control yeah. and go for the ride. And sometimes we can, sometimes we have the space and other times we can't, you know, other times we're like, I'm not available for that ride. <laughs> and you said yes. And it kept coming like, all right, are you going to go for this one? Like, are you going to do, and you were like, let's get a PI in Massachusetts. You know, you kept saying yes. And I just feel like you really reaped the benefits of the saying yes to something that was really scary and you didn't know what was going to happen and there were no guarantees and there could have been a lot of heartbreak. You just kept saying yes. And I just remember talking to you during these times and you just being like very zen about it and being like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I have to do it or I know I have to answer this or I know I have to, you know, and you were very... I don't know. You were just, like I said, Zen, you were very just like kind of calm about these, you know, you would be like, Oh my God, I'm bringing out, you know, but like, I just think like confident in a way that I just hadn't seen as, as much of at that point. And I just was like, this is so cool to witness. This is so cool to see someone like in rapid fire and in a like very like big deal situation rise to meet it and keep rising despite everything else going on in their life despite two little kids despite you know henry needing to like rock out to cat power every night you know like you were still like oh and now i found this and you were like did i tell you that i found out this about you know like you stayed with it and i just think i don't know i just have a lot of respect and admiration for you that you did and I also think it's cool that you've been vulnerable, like on social media and stuff to share your joy and what this has also done for you, you know, and I think all of us, when you posted the first photo of like you and your brothers, like, I mean, I'm I'm, like getting a little choked up thinking about it because I remember getting choked up seeing it, you know, being like, this has been such a journey, you know, like I think more people have probably been rooting for you than you might realize, you know? (laughs) I love like when the, it's funny, like a couple times when I've recorded, I've been like, oh my God, am I about to burst into tears? For sure. I would be crying already. Yeah. Like I can usually kind of cover it up. Um, (laughs) Not today. This all stays in Eva. But I do think there's probably been more people rooting for you than you maybe realize. And I think there's probably been more people like myself too, who've been like, like, holy shit, look at her go. Look at her, like, you know, like do this and really look at it. So I don't know. I just want you to know that. I think it's important. I love you. Thank you. Yeah, I love you. So as we wrap up, where can people find you if they want to partake in your work or, you know, 
follow you on social? Professionally, um, you can follow Free Time Podcast or visit freetimemedia.world. Um, that is my podcast production company. We do podcasts and consultancy for brands and individuals. Ta-da. Well, thank you so much for being with me here today. I adore you. Adore you. I appreciate you sharing this story. And I'm not, not going to say I hope people found it interesting. I know for a fact they will have found it interesting. Oh, it God, I never know because people ask me questions about this like at part and I'm like, it, it's so long. If people ask you at, like at a social thing and stuff, you're probably like retreat. Like this is it's too involved. Well, I give a sentence and they're like, wait, what? I'm like, no. And they're like, tell more. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Well, now you can point to this and just be like, go listen there. You can get a little, a little teaser before. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I know. Thank you so much for having me on this amazing podcast. For real. (laughs) That's all for today. Thanks, everybody. Bye. So yes, I do cry at the end of this because I really mean it. I'm just really amazed by the fearlessness and open-heartedness that Casey has gone through this process and opened up her life and heart and family to her siblings, to all this knowledge, to everything while balancing having two little kids and a husband and all of that. I just have a tremendous amount of respect and admiration for it. So I'm super grateful that she was willing to come on the pod and talk about it. And I hope you enjoyed these episodes. That's all for now. See you next week. Bye. That's all for today. If you're interested in submitting a topic, please go to anatonk.com and hit the contact button. Or you can email me at anatonk at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help.